Good Tuesday evening to everyone. Welcome to another Hidden Treasures Revealed. And we, me and Phil, will be back with you in just a moment. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Well, Phil, it's been a week, and welcome back here. How you doing today? Doing pretty good, just recovering from the weekend, you know, four-day weekend with the wedding and all that, and it just seemed like it went by in three hours. <laughs> I know what you mean. It went by fast, but it went by slow. It's kind of a combination of the two. Well, welcome, everyone. This evening, we're going to be continuing going on the aspects of the gospel message. And this is something that we've talked about a few times. We haven't really started a podcast with this, but this is one of those terms that you'll hear in the world, but it has its, the true essence of it is what we're going to be talking about is actually involving Yah. And here recently we've broken down the gospel message in a little bit more detail. We got into the aspect of repentance, and just recently we talked about obedience. And this evening we're going to talk about faith. And had this come to mind, Phil, today, just had a few things on my mind. I actually had a scripture that we had talked about recently, and this is what got my mind kind of kick-started in this direction. And one book in the Bible that is similar to the New Testament that oftentimes is neglected, ignored, not talked about because of either lack of understanding or thinking it's not for them. But there is one chapter that is covered from really from my background, where we came from, from Christianity. And that is in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, which is referred to a lot of times as quote, the faith chapter, because mother breaks down different circumstances of believers that had faith in Yah and talking about the circumstances, what they did, similar to, you could say, a history lesson. The Some people refer to have heard this like the Hall of Fame of Faith, you know, just kind of a, a thing of, you know, if you want to know if you're in faith or if you're in the Bible or if you're of anything, then you'll be in this chapter. And, I mean, that's just people's opinion. The reason that it came to my mind was this aspect. At the very beginning of it, it has a statement that says, Now, faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. And what got my mind on this was when I would drive to work different times, I would listen to, I have a a CD set of the new King James that I bought many years ago. And because I listened to it so much, I had that version just in my mind. And the version of the Bible isn't the, the matter. It's 
mother, the, the spirit of the most high, that she's the one that understands she's the one we depend on. So it's not a, the, that is the version, but it's just the one that I've been used to listening to. And the way that it read in that version, which is saying the same thing was faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. And what got me thinking about this was, is that people will say in faith or in the world, you'll just hear the word faith just thrown around, you know, faith here, faith there. I've got faith. Everybody's got faith. George Michael had a song in the eighties, you know, you got to have faith. And I was just thinking about this and the teaching that Yah brought to us in regards to faith is you could take the word faith and also interchange that with trust because faith is trust and trust is, is faith really goes both ways. So this came to mind in regards to faith or trust that in the journey of coming to faith in Yah, you must trust God and trust because the aspect of those listening that we're coming from is we're talking about what is it to have faith in Yah? Because the truth is everybody that is living has faith. But what we're talking about is what is your faith in? Because you can have faith in self. You can have faith in other people. What we're going to be talking about is faith in God, faith in Yah. And the, what's interesting is people will say, well, I have faith. You have faith, but do you have faith in Yah or do you have faith in self? And I had this picture go through my mind and just looking at the book of Hebrews chapter 11, where it talks about the different stories of by faith, Moses did this and by faith, Abraham and by faith, Rahab and, and just reading about things and all of those aspects in regard to faith were two-sided. And what I mean by that is this, is that in order to have faith there, it's two-sided, meaning that in order for Yah to have faith in you, you first have to have faith in Yah. And the, the scripture that stuck out to me in my mind was, and because words are important, it says, without faith, it is impossible yeah and the word impossible we have that many times in scripture we have yeshua that they asked him lord what must we do to do the works that god requires and he had made a statement to them that with man this is impossible but with god all things are possible what the scripture is saying is in order to please god you must have faith doesn't mean that you can't do things that Yah would ask you to do or comply with God, but to be pleasing to God, there must be faith involved. And in order for there to be faith involved, there has to be action on your part. You have to do your part and Yah will do their part. And the reason I bring this out that it's two-sided is when you look at the gospel message, we had just talked about repentance. Okay. Well, repentance means that you turn as a full turn to God. Well, when you have a full turn to God, then God will turn to you. And therefore, when you walk in Yah's direction, Yah will walk in your direction. When you obey God, you're walking in repentance because you've turned to God 
you're listening what they're asking you to do, you have a desire to do it, you obey God. And then after that, you ask God, God will obey you. And that's what I meant by two-sided, that there has to be a part done on our part in order for Yah to do their part. And even in what we're talking about tonight is faith, trust, that in order for Yah to trust you, you have to first trust them so that you can be proven trustworthy, so that Yah will put their trust in you. And that's why the pleasing to God is, is that you've got to come to God, and, and the Word of God says this, that without faith, it is impossible, or we could say without trust, it is impossible to please God because the one that comes to them must believe that they exist and are the rewarder of those who diligently seek them. So faith isn't just a word. Faith involves action, meaning that in order to be to get to where you're fully pleasing to God, circumcision, but on the journey of faith that by you making these steps in faith and repentance, obedience, and trust, you are walking in faith in God. You are learning as you go. You are learning in part. And as the word says that we learn in part, but then in the end, we'll be fully known just as Yah knows us that we still walk by faith because we don't see everything. We know things, but until we actually are perfected in the end, that we're still in the process of knowing God so we still have a journey of faith, but the, the aspect of faith or trust is you've got to be willing to trust, to pursue that which is unseen to you, and then Yah will bring evidence to you so that you can see, but you still continue, because in essence, by faith, the substance of faith is seeing God who is invisible, that Yah is there, but you see that which is invisible, and even mentioned with Moses that, that he pursued on seeing him that was invisible, meaning God that the substance of what we have and do is that walking, as the word says, that we walk by faith, not by sight, that we're able to see, but it's by faith that we can see the things of God, not the fullness of their deity and everything in the physical. You know, at that point, it would be death to actually see them like that, but we see them through faith, through pursuing them. And this aspect, it was just coming to mind this afternoon because a lot of people will claim that, yeah, I've got faith in God. And yeah, but if you don't understand what faith is, then you claim that you have faith in God, but do you understand what you claim? Meaning that in order to be pleasing to God, like the word says, you have to believe that they are who they are and you've got to diligently seek them. You've got to seek to after, after them by faith and they will give you the evidence on the way and I had this aspect of just thinking about recently where we talked about holiness and being holy as Yah is holy, that just looking at this as another aspect of a threefold aspect of faith, that you pursue faith in Abba, and then you come to Abba, you repent to Abba, and then he brings you to Yeshua, and you work through the process of having faith in Yeshua, and then you work through the process of having faith in Mother, and then as it goes, because then you'll have the fullness of faith where you were having pieces of faith as you go, because as you look through the, a lot of the persons in Hebrews, Messiah hadn't come on the scene yet. And it mentions that they had faith. So it doesn't mean that you have to have circumcision of the heart to have faith. It, it's a journey of faith. But as you go, you add to your faith. 
And when Messiah returns, and that's the thing, make sure those that are listening that you find by seeking with all your heart that you find God, because once Messiah returns, faith at that point will be removed because you're actually seeing them. So faith, you don't have the opportunity to come to them by faith because you'll be able to see them. So that's the aspect is what's pleasing to God is, as we had even talked about recently with Thomas in the New Testament, that, you know, until I see the hands and I see the holes in the hands and, and the hole marks, then I'll believe. Well, you know, blessed are those that don't see and believe that, you know, you, you don't get to see, but you do see by faith, by getting the help of mother to be able to see these things. So I was just thinking about the aspect of moving on in the gospel message that the part after obedience is trust. And in order to trust, you have to go through things that you don't see the end yet. You don't see, I wouldn't say necessarily the fullness of it, but in order to trust, there has to be an unknown because if you know something, then it's not faith for you in that moment. If, if I don't know how to, to do something and I've never done it before, if I don't see it, I don't know it. You know, I have faith until the point of knowing. And that's the thing is that you, you must come to faith in Yah by seeking with all your heart, but you've got to seek without seeing the proof of it. And even people have asked us, well, show me the proof, you know, give me the proof that God exists. Well, um, I can prove to you God exists, but there's something that you've got to do. You've got to seek with all your heart in order for you to even accept the evidence that's already there in front of you. It's not that I myself prove it. It's just that the the proof is there, but you've got to seek it in order to find it. But you've got to seek it by faith that you're not going to be able to say, God, in order for me to believe in you, you need to give me the proof. And no, you, you've got to seek me by faith and then I'll give you the proof. It, it's, it's like I said earlier, it's the two-sided thing that if you want to find God, you have to seek with all your heart because the word says, seek for me and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart, you will be found by me. So we enable God to do their part when we do our part. Just like in repentance, Messiah says, hey, if your brother comes to you and sins and repents, forgive him. If he comes to you seven times and seven times he repents, forgive him. Even up to seven times 70, meaning that the aspect isn't the amount of times, it's does he or she repent? If they do, then forgive them. But it's not an aspect of staying there and just that's all you do is you just sin, you ask for forgiveness, you repent, you sin, you repent. No, it means that if you do, if they truly repent, then forgive them because you can forgive the person, but if they don't repent, then it's not going to benefit them in the end. The same thing with obedience that you obey God. Well, why would God obey anything you ask them if you're not willing to obey them first? It, it's, it's just like the aspect we talked about that draw near to God and they will draw near to you. That God will draw near to you when you draw near to them. So the aspect of this journey is faith is about you trusting. It's about you doing your part so that God can do their part. Because a lot of times, even in, in the world, people think, well, God does everything for you. God healed me. God saved me. Jesus died on the cross. God does everything. I just accept it. And the thing is, is yes, Yah has done their part, um, the things that we're not able to do, but faith means that you will do what is necessary. 
and it's very, uh, I found it fascinating that when you actually go to chapter 11 of Hebrews, that when it talks about by faith and all the things, every person that it mentioned, there was something that the person did that was pleasing to God. Like when it mentioned Abraham by faith went away, leaving his land, not knowing where he was going. Well, that's the faith that you don't see the outcome. And that's the trust in God is that I'm going to trust God because they're God and I believe in them. I'm going to go wherever they want me to go. I don't know where this is going to end up, but I know this, I'm going to trust God. Well, that's what's pleasing to God is you willing to do that. And then that's pleasing to them that they will then give you the proof. They will give you the evidence that they are with you, but you've got to do your part. And just so many, those listening coming to this, coming from a background of you just make this decision and it's all done. And because of what Jesus has done, what he's laid the foundation, everything is good. And you don't realize that faith as the word says, faith by itself, if it does not have works is dead trust. If it does not have works is dead. How can you trust in somebody if you're not willing to do what they ask you to do without seeing how it's going to turn out? And I just see this in my life. And I was even thinking about this, Phil, as I was thinking about this aspect. And this came to mind was, by faith, Sean and Philip started a church, not knowing where they were going, not, how, not knowing how it was going to turn out. You know, because we can look at this and say, well, these are the big patriarchs of faith, but having faith in God, the same thing can be said to you. By faith, we started this podcast by the direction of God, not knowing what was going to happen, how it was going to end up, but we believe God and continued in it. So this is just another aspect of the, the journey of trust. And I'll mention this film, and then I'll turn it over to you to get your thoughts. Yah actually gave us a little key. This was back several years ago, and I still have it just hanging in my office room on like a little uh, keychain that you can put on your wrist. And it was meant to be a key and it literally is a key. And there's two words. And on one side it says trust and the other side, it says obey, which that's a key that you, you look at the word of God, that the key, and there are several keys, but with what Abba gave us was trust, which is have faith. And because of that obey. And when you obey, you will trust. And it goes back and forth. And you look at the aspect of the word of God and um, through the Old Testament, the New Testament, by faith means that you will do your part. You will not just put it in God's hands for God to do everything, but you, each individual person, you will seek after it and figure out what my part is in this. And I want to relate to the Old Testament as the beginning testament rather than the Old Testament. Because the sound of somebody saying, well, the Old Testament, there's a perception that's put in people's minds that that means it's null and void because it's old. It's, it's in the past. It's done away with. Well, we know that God is unchanging. And so the law is never done away with. There's only a transformation that takes place from the physical aspect of the law to the spiritual aspect. Um, but when, we, when 
many people call the Old Testament the Old Testament, then that's one area where it pushes people to not heed to what it says because that's the old. The old is gone. And that's not the case. As a matter of fact, the even the New Testament, if Paul were standing here today, Paul would not consider the writings that he wrote and the things that he did to be scripture, that people have put them to their scripture. Because what Paul was doing was he was using the original testament of God and explaining it in his letters. That's why he references the original testament. Because people need to understand the original testament. You have to walk through the original testament to have trust in God, because that's what tells you that God exists first. And it also tells you that God's a terror. But you have opportunity to be on God's side by uh, trust and obey. Repent, trust, obey, do these things, and you will find favor with God. And then God will no longer be a terror to you. But the old or or the uh, original covenant never is removed, like Messiah said, until this is finished, until it is all done, not a letter of the pen, not a stroke of the pen will be removed from the old covenant or the original covenant. And when it's over, when the original covenant comes to an end, is when you've walked through it, you've seen God as a terror, you've had the fear of God, you've turned yourself over to God, then you can move forward. You crucify yourself with Christ, and when you put to death your selfishness within you, you're crucifying yourself with Christ, and when and only when you crucify your Christ is the written code then nailed to your cross, like it spoke about with Messiah when he died, the written code was nailed to the cross. When you walk as he did, and you crucify yourself by killing the selfishness of who you are, then the old covenant, what they call the old covenant, the original covenant is nailed to the cross. And that transfers you then from being under the law to the spirit of the law. We still have to abide in the law, but we abide in it from the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law, because the letter of the law kills. The spirit of the law saves. And that's how when you have the spirit of the law, that's when you've been released from the old sinful nature has been taken out of your heart into your body of flesh. And now you can move on and move forward without the 
nature of sin having an effect on you because you're not under the written code anymore. You're under the spirit of it. But we must figure out in the aspects of the old covenant, what is the spiritual perspective that God was given? That's our responsibility. Everybody who has faith in God, it's their responsibility to figure that out. It's not, we are giving information, but it's not our responsibility to make sure other people have it. We give the information out of obedience because God set it up for us to do this, and that's what we're doing, and we're going to be obedient to God. The obedience that we walk in daily proves trust. And that's how you continue to build trust. You continue to obey God no matter what the situation looks like for you. No matter what it looks like in a hard struggle or suffering, because we learn obedience, and as we learn that obedience, we're trusting that God's going to take care of everything. Not necessarily uh, here in the life, but God, so that the only person who can be salvation from me is me by me walking away from it. And so it is important for people to recognize and understand then this is just the uh, culmination of the whole gospel message coming up to the trusting. And we talked about how each step precedes the next step. It, it, you, you have to have the previous step. You can't trust somebody if you're not wanting to obey them. How can you trust somebody if you don't want to obey them, no, you're, you're obeying them proves to them that you're trustworthy because you're proving yourself faithful by obeying what they say. And by you obeying what they say, you have to trust that they're going to do what they said they were going to do and give you the protection. And as we live in the renewed covenant, not a new covenant, it's a renewed covenant. And that's why it's so important for people to understand that you have to go through the original covenant first and you have to do your best to carry that out until you crucify yourself with Christ. Then once you crucify yourself, then we move to the spirit of the law and we continue to live the law of God in accordance to the way that God teaches us through the spirit how to live the spirit of the law. Because at that point, circumcision of the heart, now mother enters into you, enters into your heart. And so you now have the law written on your heart, just like God promised that they would do. But God's not going to put their law on just anybody and everybody's heart. Those that trust and have faith or trust and faith, the same thing, those that trust will have the law written on their hearts. And because mother's in us, mother says, okay, this aspect of the law, don't, don't do it this way as the written code puts it, but do it this way. 
to find a Sabbath rest, don't don't you don't have to sit and attempt to uh, take one day a week as a rest because you've circumcision of the heart and you're in Messiah, you've entered into that rest. And if you take a break to rest, you're resting from your rest because you never, once in Messiah, you've entered that rest. And that's what that was all about. The Sabbath day was all about the day that you actually have your circumcision of the heart and enter into Messiah, and then you rest from your work, meaning that I have work that that is required of me according to the law of God, but I'm not under the written code that if I falter at one point that I'm going to be condemned for it because I'm not under the written code. The written code is if you don't live it, you're condemned. But there are transformations, you know, Messiah being the Sabbath, that that's what he was talking to the Pharisees about when they were talking about uh, healing on the Sabbath day and how it's unlawful. And he says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. He says, I know what the spirit of this law is, but you don't. You only know what the written code says, and that's why you want to condemn me because you're putting me under that law. You're putting me under it. And again, it's not the removal of the law because even like Paul said, do we nullify this law by our faith? By no means. We uphold the law. So we're still required to uphold the law in the spirit side of it just as much as we're expected to to prove obedience in the uh, the worldly, the under the law perspective. But you have to come to that point where you have that fullness of trust in God, which is faith, and that is pleasing to God. If you stop anywhere along the journey and you don't make it to the trust aspect with mother where you have circumcision of the heart, mother's within your heart and you have the law written on your heart, you're not going into the kingdom because you're, you cannot be pleasing to God at that point because with, like you said and like is on the podcast, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so just uh, a real reality check for people who are listening, who want to know the truth and really want to find that true faith in God. This is the journey you must walk. And we're just reiterating what the original covenant had told us, that you walk this up and, and prove that you have the spirit of Messiah in you. And it, you have the spirit of Messiah in you, then you will crucify yourself just like he he gave himself up on the cross. You give yourself up to God on the cross because, and I, I believe you said this in a podcast not too long ago about the sacrificial system. God never removed the sacrificial system. It was transferred from the uh, the blood of bulls and goats to the blood of you 
in your in your emotional, spiritual, selfish body, when you surrender that, you make a choice that I'm not going to be this anymore. Then you walk through the journey of proving to God that you've crucified yourself with Christ. And when, however long that is, whether it's 40 minutes, 40 days, or 40 years in that desert, you will never change your mind on the decisions and the things that you're doing. And God will say, okay, now I see that that you're proving faithful. So now we can give you circumcision of the heart because if we give it to you prematurely, then surely when things get hard, you're going to walk away from it. So as we look at these things, it's really important to know that you must, to have faith in God means you have to have faith in the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And even instructions given when you're baptizing, make sure you baptize in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. When, you're, when you have the immersion into the Father, immersion into the Son, and immersion into the Spirit, then you have the fullness, the one baptism, which is an aspect of three immersions. And I'll put it to the aspect of a swimming pool that when you repent, you're in the shallow end. You, you've gone into the shallow end. Now, you never exit that part of the pool. You stay in that shallow end until you move to the repentance. Now you're in the middle section of the pool where it's about four to five foot deep. Uh, you can still breathe. You got your head above water right now. You can still breathe, but you're immersing yourself. And then the step with mother, with circumcision of the heart, with you crucifying yourself with Christ, you're putting your trust in God that God's going to take care of you. Then you immerse yourself into the, the deep end where you can't touch the bottom. And that's when mother enters your heart as your self-contained underwater breathing apparatus, that you have the ability to remain there because mother's giving you the information and the understanding that you need. Don't try to exit from there. Don't, don't, because the deep end is, the water in the deep end is still the same water that's in the rest of the pool. But once you get to the deep end and you have that scuba gear, then there's no need for you to go back to the shallows. You, you don't have to go back there. You stay in the deep, and that's where you will gain knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. But you must go for the baptism of the Father. You must go to the Old Testament, and you must walk through it, seeing God as a terror, having the fear of God, then having that repentance, you know, you have that godly sorrow and then the repentance. And then when you repent and you've been tested in it, then you can move to Messiah learning the obedience. And as you learn the obedience, that's setting you up for the trust aspect with mother. But you must go through each area. You must go into the shallow end. You're not allowed to go around like a, like a regular swimming pool and go around and just dive off the diving board into the deep end. No, that's, that's, that's not 
the way it works. You have to go through the order in which God laid it. So go into the shallow end. Now, how long you spend in the shallow end is up to you because it's going to be your choices, whether uh, you have indignation, longing, and alarm that, that propels you to continually seek God more and more with all your heart, that will move you quicker into the middle section and then quicker into the deep end. But you can stay in the shallow end for a long time. Uh, unfortunately, most people are standing on the outside side of the pool just wanting to dip their toe in to see what the temperature is. And that's not beneficial in a faith perspective because truly without faith, it is impossible to please God. But without, without you going to Abba and repenting to Abba, it is impossible to please God. Without you going to Messiah and going to the obedience, it is impossible for you to please God. And then the trust, without, without trust, you cannot please God. Why? Because they all go in order that they all are parts. It's not just the trust. It's all the parts of the gospel message that if you don't do one of those parts, you cannot be pleasing to God because you will not get to that point of trust. And it's at the point of trust, circumcision of the heart, mother in your heart, that it is said to you, well done, good and faithful servant. But that's not over. It's not done because there's still work to do and there's still things uh, trash and garbage in our lower conscience that we continually work on and we continually remove that. And so please, if you listen to these, if you want to know the truth of God and you want to find that place of pleasing to God and being in a place of no sin, you must go through the Old Testament. You must, you're not going to understand a lot of the things about why God killed these people and why God killed those people. And, uh, a lot of the, you know, all the different sacrifices that's at that point, you can't understand it because there's a veil that covers it, but see, see what you can see through the veil, which is God is a terror and let that drive you to the fear of God, to the recognition of the fear of God. Because if you have any fear in your life, any at all. And I'm not talking about the persona you might put on for other people out in the world that, well, I'm not scared of anything, but I'm talking about what you know in your mind and everybody who doesn't have the fullness of faith in God has fear in something. And that fear has to do with punishment. So you have to recognize that instead of fearing all these other things, I'm going to fear God which means I'm going to be, I need to be pleasing to them. And in order for me to be pleasing, I have to make the attempt to live the old covenant to the best of my ability, but doing it because I'm proving faithful, not doing it because I'm working my way to salvation. It's the aspect of proving faithful to God. And Phil, how many times have we even recently talked about sin as disobedience? How in the world would you be able to be pleasing to God 
when you continue in sin and you don't figure out how to not sin because you cannot. And you had shook your head no, and because I, I was, we had just mentioned this is that we're not saying that we've never sinned. We're saying that in order for you to be fully pleasing to God, you must find a place where you don't sin because sin is disobedience. You cannot be pleasing to God if you continue in disobedience. Now, Yah knows because they set it up this way. They know when you're walking in repentance that you still have sin in your heart. So they know that. And that's why they they're patient because they know that you can't get away from sin in your heart at that point. So going through the aspect of these, this came to mind. Do you remember years ago, and I can't remember what state it is, that a court attempted to remove the Ten Commandments from the courtroom? You can physically, or you can, have you, you've heard of it? I remember it, but I don't remember which state it was. Well, and that's the thing. I don't either. I don't, and it's not the point of which state it is, but it's this. You cannot remove the law of God, nobody, because it's the law, which means it's unchanging. It's the, the law of God is unchanging. It's never going to change. And I had this thought, just had one of those visual things go through my mind that you remember in the word, in the, the, this is getting, um, cause I had this in my mind to stop saying old Testament, the beginning covenant, the, the first covenant. Yah mentions there's going to be a renewed covenant coming where I will remove the heart of stone and bring about a heart of flesh. And I had this picture in my mind, the, the stone, the heart of stone is the sin nature. When the sin nature by mother is taken out of your heart and put in the body of flesh, you now have a heart of flesh, which now the law of God, as Abba said, that I will write my laws in their hearts and in their minds and that their sins and their lawless deeds, I'll remember no more. So now They'll write it on a heart of flesh, which is because you have the humble heart, you have a heart that is prepared for surgery where the heart of stone can be taken away. And when you crucify yourself with Christ, you are putting to death the old, old self, which had that sin nature. So the written code that you've been under, like you had mentioned, you, you're, the written code is nailed to the cross. So just as a word says, I'm dead to the law through the body of Messiah, meaning that because of what Yeshua has done, I follow in his footsteps. He made the way so that the written code could be done away with in him and also be, well, let me rephrase that. The written code would be nailed to his cross, meaning that he would transfer from having the letter of the law to the spirit of the law. So he's given us an example that when we crucify ourselves with him now, the written code, and this is in, if I remember right, in Colossians, where it talks about that, that he, it was nailed to the cross, the law that brought ordinances that was against us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. Well, we do the same thing. So therefore, as the word of God also says, is that the power of sin is the law, which the law that's referred there is the written code. So as long as the written code is in place, sin abounds, the, the sin nature is there and thriving but you put that to death, that means that the power of sin is taken away. And now sin is taken out of your heart, put into your body of flesh. And then therefore now you have mother living within you that there is no condemnation for those who are in Messiah, as it writes about in Romans, for the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. So you're free from the law of sin and death, which was the written code. So the ministry that brought condemnation now ushered in in the the newer covenant 
is the ministry that brings reconciliation. So you must go through in order. It's just like this. In order to have the cell phone, you, you had to come from the rotary phone. And a lot of people say, man, it was just so those rotary phones were terrible. Tell you what, if, if we hooked them up now, I don't remember other than maybe a big thunderstorm that those would ever go out or you would have maybe some static. But cell phones, they'll, they'll flicker, they'll go off, you lose service. And, but you would look at that and say, well, those are obsolete. Well, no, you could still use them, but it's just, there's a better way. And well, and that's another debate is the cell phone better. But from the aspect of faith in God, the better way is by the ministry, the priesthood of Melchizedek, not the priesthood of Aaron, because the Aaronic priesthood is about men and things that are going to perish. But the ministry of Melchizedek, which is Yeshua is mentioned as a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, that is built on better promises because it's built on an, an eternal life, an eternal priest. And it's better because we draw near to God in a better way through obedience by the spirit of the law, not by the letter. Because even Abba said, and through Yeshua mentioning about that the blood of bulls and goats you didn't desire, but a body you prepared for me, even though the law said that it was to be done, but your desire was me coming and me giving my life so that this newer covenant can be brought in, which will, which is, as it says, it's a better way to draw us to God because in the new, the renewed covenant, we have sin taken out of the picture, which is a way better way to come to God because without sin, we can come to God and be fully pleasing to them because disobedience is set aside because and I thought that was a great point that Yah made through you that it's the, it's not a removal of the law. It's a going to the spiritual side of it because the written code is in place and it's not going away until that person crucifies himself with Christ. Then for them, the written code is taken away. But there's a lot of people out there that are under law thinking that they're walking around in the newer covenant. But the truth is those listening, if you still have the sin nature in your heart, you cannot be walking in the renewed covenant. It doesn't matter if you think that, well, I accepted Jesus and now I'm in the new covenant. No, you're not. Because even Messiah said that this is the, the renewed covenant in my blood, meaning that with my giving my life on the cross that I'm bringing in by my blood, I'm establishing, I'm bringing in the renewed covenant so that my blood can be sprinkled in the heavenly places to bring this in for those that walk as I did that the way is now open for you to walk in this covenant that I'm walking in now. So the, the old covenant and the new are still there. It's just that where are you in the process of it? Because Messiah is perfected. He's in the kingdom. And if you're in him, then you're walking in the, the renewed covenant because you're living by the spirit of the law. But if you don't have circumcision of the heart, you're not a part of the renewed covenant yet. And that's the thing is that people are taught that you make this one time decision to accept, uh, Jesus as Lord and Savior, and then you're walking in the new covenant, and it's not. You've got to go through the whole process. You've got to start in the new, in the um, the beginning covenant, going to the circumcision of the heart, but then you just continue to, in the circular, walk in the new covenant with Messiah as the high priest, not the the high priest at that time, which was Aaron. So really, you assume that Messiah is the high priest for you, but he's not until you get to that point. 
I want to go back to statement you made earlier and not that it wasn't true. I just want to bring some clarification um, because I know what you meant. Um, and again, you know, as we do these podcasts, uh, we want to be as clear as we can. And obviously if this happens and I do something and I, I would want you to do the same thing. Um, and it goes back to the aspect of proof. Okay. Cause you made a statement that we can't prove to you God exists. And what that means is that, and, and I know what you meant was that we can't pull out a picture and show you, look, this is God, that this is God right here. Okay. But we can, well, let me go back on that. We can't pull out a picture. We can't show you the face of God. We can't give you the physical proof of the existence of God themselves in their being. But the proof we can give, and we do give proof of God, and God has already proved I. Uh, so we don't have to prove to somebody, but we can also prove to people. But in order for it to be proof for them, they have to accept the truth coming to them. And the areas of proof that we have are creation, just creation within itself that people have tried to write off to an evolutionary perspective that this all came from an explosion and there is no God. No, there's too much intricate design in everything for an explosion to be able to do, put that much intellect into being and into existence. There had to be an intelligent source that knew that everything's the way everything comes up that, you know, why, is the oak leaf always going to look different than the maple leaf? And the maple leaf is always going to look different than the elm leaf. And even the <clears throat> red oak leaf will always look different from the white oak leaf. And, all, you know, just in the variations of the species, they will never look the same as another, another part. And so God has already put the proof out there, but people don't accept that proof. What do they do? Well, they suppress that truth, that, that truth, and they suppress that proof that God has put there. And since they suppress it, God turns them over to a depraved mind. So we have the aspect that God has already put the proof in existence through creation, and it's just foolish for people to argue against it. But we also go ahead. And I was um, thank you for pointing that out. And actually, as I rolled it, I thought of a, a way to put this on to getting out to somebody. This is what I meant to say, or what this is to give a better explanation was. We can give the proof that God exists, but we are not able to convince somebody that God exists, even though the proof is there. So we can say. Here's the proof that God exists. Their creation is there because their invisible qualities are made known. But if they say, oh, I don't believe that, that, okay, well, I'm, I'm not able to convince you 
that that's the proof until you have to have your eyes open to be able to see by faith that, oh, okay, now I see. So we're able to give the proof, but we cannot convince somebody else that it actually is of God unless they're willing to accept the evidence. Just like if you go to a trial and the proof is right there and you say, well, I don't believe that. Okay, well, then I can't help you because that's the proof. And if you don't accept this, then there's nothing I can do for you. It's in your hands to be your you. You have to be the one that has to accept what is evident. And if you don't accept it, there's nothing we can do. We can we can lay it on the table and say, here it is. This is the gospel. No, it isn't. All right, well, I'm not going to argue because it's clear and you're just rejecting it. You're just suppressing the truth. That's what you're doing. Right. But there's also another way that we give the proof of God's existence. God gave the proof of existence of creation. We can point that out, but we're not giving that proof of the existence of God. But we, those who have circumcision of the heart, have the fullness of faith, can prove the existence of God by our living a set-apart holy life that is not like what everybody in the world is doing and and everybody in Christianity is professing and claiming that no, we're we're going to accord in accordance with what the true word of God says, and we're living according to that, so we are living proof of the existence of God. But even at that, like you said, we can't convince somebody nor should we try to convince somebody because even if I point to you about the creation, I don't convince you by your acceptance of the truth of God, then you discover it and you come about it. I didn't convince you. The proof of God convinced you when you accepted it. And unfortunately, in this day and age especially, the cognitive dissonance that people have just runs so rampant that they think they already know what the truth of God is by accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior and listening to false teachers and doing these things that they're not going to see the proof of God and accept it. But that's on them. That's their problem. It's not the false teacher's problem. It's the false followers, as you had coined that, you know, several podcasts ago. It's it's the false followers that they're going to have to answer for why they suppressed the truth of God. And people do it because it's easier to do that. And it makes me feel feel good. The faith in God, this trust that we talk about, for you to trust God, you have to be in uncomfortable situations. Otherwise, what need is there for trust? If everything's going to be done for you and everything's going to be handed to you and you don't have to worry about anything, then you don't need trust. In order to trust, you must suffer. You must struggle, but embrace the suffering and the struggle because it leads to salvation and ultimately the kingdom of God. 
And so with this aspect of proof, we can prove to people by the way we live our lives, by what we say, how the things that we do, how we do them without even pointing out creation because we're living, uh, we're being advocates for God. We're showing that this is the life that Messiah lived because we were told to live his life, be like him, in him, in him. If you claim to be in him, you must walk as he did. And so as we look at this, we can't prove to anybody, and even if we live the proof of it, people have to accept it. And when they accept it, that's when they will discover the understanding and the truth as they continue to grow in the knowledge of Messiah. And so if you want proof that God exists, then you have to really want proof that God exists because it's out there, set you and me aside, like you talked about in the creation. It's right there in front of you. And you cannot, it is impossible for you to explode anything and come up with any kind of design that has any kind of intricate detail involved in it. it. It's an impossibility for you to do that. It's just like, you know, throwing a big glob of mud against the wall and I, uh, there, look, I have, it's, it turned into a chunk of gold. No, it, do, it doesn't work that way. And that's the reality of it is that your faith in God, your trust in God has to be yours and you have to walk through the picking up the proof, and that's the treasure that is being spoken of in Proverbs when it says, uh, seek as though you're seeking for hidden treasure. Well, you are seeking for hidden treasure because that's what's going to help you to grow and learn and understand the truth of God so that you can trust them and Lean not on your own understanding, you know, trusting God and lean not on your understanding. If you lean on your understanding, it's impossible for you to trust God. It's an absolute impossibility if you're leaning on your understanding. And that's why we have to stop thinking temporal and make sure we're thinking eternal. And that's because that's where the eternal plane is where the importance of me being appropriate according to God is here in this plane, I'm going to perish from here anyway. So just want people to know that the proof of God is out there. And if you say that, that you don't have proof that God exists, then you're just a liar because it's there even at the base of creation. And then for people like Paul and James and John and Messiah and Stephen and us, as we walk as Messiah did, we continue to give the proof, stop suppressing the truth of God and believe God because you have to trust that God you, without seeing the, the form of God, that 
there had to be an intelligence that formed the ant and gave him the ability to do the things that they can. And I, uh, you know, even for the, the chicken to lay the egg and for, for you to actually see out of your eye, how many uh, of those components have to be exactly right for you to have perfect vision and, and hearing the same way and smell and taste and touch and all those different things. It's too, there's way too much design involved even the design the proof given through messiah messiah was the proof of god's existence as well his life he is the only person that matches up to every single prophecy that was written about the messiah where where he was going to be born, being born of a virgin, uh, his uh, he, they moved. He was going to be a Nazarite. Well, that move came because of Herod, and then they just every single prophetic message about the Son of God, about God's Son, Messiah Yeshua, is the only one that fulfilled every single prophecy and it is an impossibility unless it's the proof of God's existence that God knew that this is what was going to take place and this is how it was going to take place and we're going to give you the proof right in front of your face but you're going to live in cognitive dissonance and you're going to reject it because other people have told you that no that's not the way it is this aspect of the gospel message that we're bringing, which is the truth of Yah that Yah has taught us, I'm going to make this statement. Without faith, it's impossible to please people. Because people do this, the, the aspect that we're talking about, you do in your life and people don't even recognize it. All right? You're being selfish. You seek yourself with all your heart. That you seek to find whatever is pleasing to you. And then you believe yourself, Hey, I can do this. That This is who I am. And then you believe in yourself that I'm going to do this. You ever heard this as a kid? Well, you got to believe in yourself. All right. And then you turn from whatever you've decided to do and you turn to, let's say you want to go this path in life. So you repent and then you walk in that repentance and you obey the desires of your heart, which is your own self. And then you trust yourself. And then, well, I'm not trusting anybody. You ever heard that? I don't trust anybody. Well, then that may, that, that's a lie because you trust yourself. And this whole journey, and it makes sense because you died to God. Because in faith, you put yourself to death. Well, when you choose sin, and not that it's a permanent thing, but really I'm looking at it as you put God to death. So you just turn to self instead of turning to God. So you turn away from God. And then God sees that. And it says in Romans that because God saw that, they were doing all these evil things that he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. And then you walk in repentance, obedience, and trust and your selfishness. And I'm going to live forever. You know, I'm going to do whatever I want and I'm God and I'm, it's the same process. So the faith journey in Yah is the same thing. Seek for me and you'll find me when you seek for me with all your heart. You tell me that if you don't seek after the things that you want with all your heart, you'll get them. You'll find whatever you seek after. So it, it was just coming to mind that this isn't a foreign thing. It's just an aspect of 
it being unveiled to show people that you've been doing this in your life. You just don't recognize it. And if you're really being honest with yourself, if you think about it, that who are you walking in obedience to? If you're being selfish, you don't care about anybody else. You're agreeing with yourself. You're agreeing with what you want. You don't disagree with yourself and do all these things. You know, this is what I want and I'm going after it. And people say, well, I don't know what it is to seek with all my heart. Yeah, you do. You do it every day. The things that you do continually are the things that you've sought after with all your heart because you found them. And the proof of that is, well, I haven't found God yet. Well, because you use the same principle to do the same thing with God. And that's the thing in the creation. It's not just the trees and the water and the animals. It's the invisible qualities of God that are made clear that justice, righteousness, holiness, like, you know, what's right to do and people choose not to do it. And just thinking about the, the aspect of the creation that, and it even said in Hebrews that by faith, we see that the things were made by that, which was invisible or is invisible. Yeah. Because you, wow. Well, you don't see God themselves, but you see them in the creation. So when you accept that, wow, this was made, I didn't see it being made, but the evidence is here that whoever made this is invisible, that God exists, but, but they exist because I can see them in all the detail and all the, the different things, like you said, like the insects and the birds and, you know, how does a dog know to wag its tail? How does a cat know to, how do they able to jump like they're made with the way their paws are made and the pads on their paws? Well, who came up with that? It just, an explosion doesn't cause that. It, it's a, it, we know it's God, but it's just the intelligent design. So this message of without faith, yes, this is, we are talking about faith in God that without going through the gospel message, it is impossible to please God. But this is we you can we could title this to say without faith in god it is impossible to please god which is true but without faith you can't live in this life and do anything without faith because you go to bed tonight you wake up and you expect to get up and go to work tomorrow that's faith because you're expecting without seeing it that you're going to get up and go to work the next day i mean you can't get away from faith what we're saying is is that find faith in god and yah so you can find eternal life because if you just continue to live for faith and self, then you'll end up in the abyss because you didn't, you, you relied on faith and self and stayed in sin and therefore you didn't turn to God. So faith, everybody has faith. You can't get away from it. It's just that who is your faith in? That's the main thing of this, that what Yah is teaching here is find a place where you have faith in them and that because trust in the Lord, which is faith with all your heart and not on your own understanding. And that's a circular every day of your life aspect, because I had this before we started tonight, that yes, we are knowing God more and more, like we don't know the fullness of God and, and everything that they are, but there's still faith because if you know how to do something, do you need to ask me? what to do. If like, if you know absolutely everything that would know about something, why would you ask me for help? Why would you come to me for anything? You wouldn't. So there's still things we don't know. And that's why faith still exists because there's things of God. We don't know. There's answers to questions we don't know. And we go to God to get those answers. Well, it's by faith that we go to God because until we have the answer or the proof is given, then it's still, we seek it by faith. We don't see it yet. So therefore, faith is always going to have an aspect, but it's supposed to transform from faith to knowing 
but faith is still going to be around. We still walk in the journey of faith, but we do get to where we are knowing God more and more. But then like in the word says is that we know in part, and then in the end, when we're perfected, we'll know in full, just as we are fully known because Yah fully knows us, but we can't fully know them until we have the perfected body. And Proverbs is a good book to read and apply to your life as a beginner in the faith journey of somebody who really wants to seek out God, because Proverbs is a beautiful aspect of telling you the the truths about how to live your life and what hinders, you know, what makes it hard. You know, why is it so hard to get away from the adulterous woman? Because it's sweet. It, it's her lips drip honey and it, it, it entices you. It draws you in before you even realize that what has happened. And so Proverbs said, don't let her seduce you. Don't let her drag you in because what is perceived as sweet that gets you there will be bitter in the end because of eternal burning. Having faith in God, when the scripture says without faith, without trust, it's impossible to believe God. That's not the only thing that without, it's impossible to believe God. That's to please God. Well, believe God too. Right. Or to, to please God. Okay. That is the culmination of a long line of things that if you do not do, you cannot be pleasing to God because they all lead up to the trust in God. And you have to have every step and you have to have them in the order that they come in. Because without seeking God with all of your heart, you cannot be pleasing to God. Without believing God, you cannot be pleasing to God. Without believing in God, you cannot be pleasing to God. Because if you don't have those, you can't get to the trust aspect at the end. And we could go through all of them, repentance, obedience, and trust with the exact same perspective. But it's put to the trust because the trust is the oneness of the gospel. It's the full aspect of the gospel that you enter in at seeking God with all of your heart and you make sure you never, ever, ever quit that and then you move on. Messiah, his words told us about we live the Old Testament up to the point of crucifying ourselves to, to get the the eye. Uh, spirit of the law, which then removes us from sin because we are able to live the spirit of the law, but we can't fulfill the letter of the law. And Messiah gave this to us in his words when people got really offended at what he was saying because their perception was he was talking about cannibalism. And he said, eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. Well, exactly what he meant about eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. You must live the life that I lived. He lived his life in the old covenant, in the under the law perspective. He lived that 
until he crucified himself on the cross with the written code put there, then his blood was spilled out. So your eating of his flesh is you living the same life that he lived, walk as he did, up to the point that you drink of his blood by crucifying your selfishness, your your me, you crucify that on the cross, and now you've drank of his blood, and now you get to enter into the new covenant because he's a minister of a new covenant, but you can't be, he can't minister you in that new covenant until you've walked in his flesh, you've eaten of his flesh and drank of his blood, you drink of his blood, you crucify yourself with Christ, uh, the sinful nature is removed. Now you can dwell in the heavenly places even while you live here on earth. And that's why the scripture in uh, Colossians says that in him you have the fullness of deity in bodily form. That all these things are, it's the truth of God. It's not us. All we're saying is what the Bible says. We're reiterating what the Bible says. And uh, it's just really important that people recognize that the original covenant that which they call the Old Testament, is still, even to this day, God is expecting people to uh, make the attempt, just like Abraham did, to be completely obedient to it. And when they're not, then you offer the sacrifice. When you recognize that you're not being obedient to God's law, you're not able to fulfill it, then that's when you offer the sacrifice of yourself to crucify yourself with Christ, and then you hang yourself on that cross. Well, the written code then is nailed on that cross with you, and now you move to the spirit of the law. Your sinful nature is removed. You have the spirit within you. You can live the spirit of the law, which gives you a clean conscience and no sin at all as long as you remain in Messiah. Well, that's beautiful from Yah. I actually had this as you were speaking, just more of the beginning covenant, just in seeing the spiritual aspect of it, that with Messiah being the bread, living his life is eating the bread. When you remember, he mentioned that I am the bread that came down from heaven your ancestors ate manna in the desert and died. And I made me think of this. Remember when, when Yah brought manna from heaven and they complained against God, it made me think of, wow, this is a picture of Messiah that they complained against him because what was Messiah? He was, he didn't have any kind of appearance that you would think that he would be, that you would draw to him. It's just, that's a picture of Remember, Cause it would come down and just sit as like a, a frost on the ground. And it really tasted, didn't really have a strong, well, that's Messiah's life that he, the humility that he, that you would go out. And if I remember right, they would go out and gather it. But then on the Sabbath, they weren't supposed to, you're supposed to get what you would need and then don't do any regular work. And it made me think of that, that bread that God gave that they complained against it. And God got upset because it's a picture of don't complain against my son, because that's not a good place for you. And then they, they asked for meat and then they got the quail and then yeah, because of his anger towards, from what I remember that, all right, well, I'll give you this, but you'll get it. And I was just thinking about that. That's the, the true bread 
that from heaven is me, that walking my life is the true bread that you eat, that this is the bread that is broken, like his body being broken. And then the, the blood is him pouring out his life. Well, it's the same thing that you walk as he did. You must drink of the blood and eat of the flesh. So he's saying that I'm the way, which means you must walk as I did and give your life, crucify yourself as I did. Then this is the renewed covenant in my blood, meaning my sacrifice. But it was just interesting how just thinking back to the the beginning in the Torah that I didn't correlate that in, into the aspect of just it's giving you a picture that can you see that people complained and it was just, it wasn't anything fancy. It wasn't, it, it was what they needed, which Messiah is what we need is the word of God is the truth of God. The spirit of it is, and just found that interesting that that's the picture of manna from heaven. And then they complained against it, just like they complained, his own people complained against him. But we got to be careful where we are that we don't complain and not that we're doing it, that we don't complain against the people that claim that they're Jewish that aren't, that don't understand. Because if you look at some of the Jewish people that how they keep the letter of the law with things being kosher and, you know, when we travel, we will not eat this meat because we're going to keep it separate. Well, think about the dedication to God, even though they don't have the understanding of it, that they're willing to sit there and have separate stoves and separate, separate refrigerators to where, no, the law of God says that this is not to touch this unclean, that you're willing to go to that letter of law. I can see Abba having a respect for that, that look, you're willing to read my word and you're willing to actually take it to the physical perspective. Now there's more. And just like with, with Saul coming to Paul that he didn't see until Messiah came and visited him. So there's still hope for the people of God to think about their understanding of the beginning covenant that, that, if their eyes are open, they turn to and have faith in Messiah that they can understand the spiritual aspect. But I just thought that what a, a testament to show that their fear of God, that no, that this meat is not going to touch this. And we would think, well, you don't need to do that. But, but that's part of it to where, you know, don't boast against thinking that we're something great when, well, these other people, they just don't understand. But think about the dedication to the, well, the word of God says this and I'm doing this. So I, I remember, just seeing a video recently on that and was just like, wow, that's, you know, I'm not going to say things against these people because, you know, Yah hasn't forgotten them. It's just them not having the understanding that there's a, as a word says, that there's a hardening right now until the fullness of the Gentiles. And then Yah has the power to open their eyes to see. So just a, a neat, uh, just something about that, that how dedicated are people in that there, you know, some are, some aren't. You want to be careful not to grumble against the Lord. And there's times when you can grumble against God unintentionally because you're not thinking about how you're grumbling against God. It's really important that you don't grumble against God and then in the midst of that start asking God for things. Well, you know, a lot of times if you're asking God for multiple things, you're grumbling because of what you don't have. You know, when you're asking for worldly monetary things, then you're grumbling, you're complaining about what you have, what uh, God has allowed you to have. And it's important for people everywhere, no matter whether you're circumcision of the heart or whether you're 
um, whether you're just in the world, that be careful what you grumble about and then be careful what you ask for because you might just get it. And a lot of times you won't even recognize that that huge struggle that came your way was because you grumbled against God and God gave you what you asked for, but he gave it to you in such a way that you're not able to handle it. And going back to the story you were talking about with the quail in the desert, I just happened to listen to that this morning. So it's fresh in my mind. And they grumbled against the Lord because they were, you know, why has the Lord brought us out here to let us die in the desert? And, you know, let's go back to Egypt. And, you know, so you want to go back to that sinful life, that slavery that you had, and you grumble against God because God's providing what you need, but it's not good enough for you. That we really have to learn from a faith perspective to really be content with whatever our lot and portion is. If, if, if something happens to me and God allows it to happen, then that's my lot and portion. It doesn't matter what faith I have just because I have faith. That doesn't eliminate the aspect that things can happen to me in this life and happen to this physical body. But do I complain about it? Do I gripe about it? Or do I just embrace it and figure out how to work through it? You know, we have a three-legged border collie. And, you know, when he was a puppy, he went through a strong, uh, he went through a, an accident. He had an accident. We didn't have him at the time. Um, he was on a farm truck and he jumped off the farm truck and uh, just shattered his shoulder. Uh, so they, 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 they couldn't fix it. So they removed his leg. But he's perfectly content with his lot and portion. I mean, he'll run around. We should have, he should have been named fetch instead of Raymond, because that's all he does run, run, run. You know, if you throw the ball, he will run after it. Now, occasionally he'll get a little tired and he'll stop for about a minute or two, and then he'll bring the ball right back to you. And if you ignore him, then he leaves that ball and he goes, gets another one. And then he goes, gets another one, or he gets another toy and he just wants you to throw it. But that he's missing a leg. He's living in that lot and portion. He doesn't care that he's just, he learned to adjust to what he had. And that would be a good lesson for all of us to be able to learn that this is the way it is. You know, and I'll tell you this, this just came to mind. Have you set your mind in the aspect of your lot and portion with your position and condition at home? Just something to think about. And there are areas that I need to uh, look into that as well. I mean, there's in the lower conscience because it's like, well, if this person never changes, is that going to, no, you know what? I'm just going to make the best of it. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be okay with whatever my lot and portion is. Because again, that's just digging up some stuff from the lower conscience that we haven't looked at. And no, you know what? If this is the lot and portion, if this is the life that I have to live, just like I, which one of the prophets was it? 
was it that I that had to that divorced his wife? She cheated on him. Hosea, Hosea. yeah, Hosea uh, cheated on his wife, or, or cheated on, or his wife cheated on him, and then God said divorce her. But then God said go back to her. That's your lot and your portion. Even uh, I, I got an even better one. What about Job? Now Job uh, complained that God didn't have any. Uh, it, it, what was being done wasn't because of righteousness. But look at Job with the aspect of his lot and his portion when he was uh, talking to his wife, and his wife told him to uh, just curse God and die. And he said, no, if this is my lot and my portion, then I will live through it. Yeah, because should we ex- expect good from the Lord and not bad? Right. That's should, your life. Right. Should we expect God to give us the the bad thing? I mean, the good things and not bad. And naked I came into this world and naked I will leave. Blessed be the name of the Lord. To be able to, so in the midst of that, uh, he accepted his lot and his portion in it. His concern about what was happening was not about the struggle of the issues. The conversations that he had with the gentleman were all about him trying to justify the fact that it wasn't anything he did that brought this about rather than justifying God. But he still walked in it being okay with his lot and his portion. And we need to be the same. We need to be looking into situations. And this is why we work on not complaining, because at some point you're going to make a complaint that is a complaint against the Lord, and you're going to find yourself, uh, you, you ask for something, and you find yourself getting that, but getting so much more than you bargained for, because the amount of quail for a month's period of time that God blew in because of their grumbling. Three foot deep, okay? That's typically about waist deep for most people, okay? Waist deep for the length of a day's walk in any direction, okay? You and I walk six miles We walk six miles in about an hour and 40 minutes, okay? So we're talking, you know, you take, say, that six miles every two hours, okay? Multiply that times 12, then you've got 72 miles of quail three foot deep. That's a lot of birds. Yeah, and God said, it's going to, they, they, you're going to get so sick of this, it's going to be coming out of your nostrils. Um, but they got it because they grumbled. They, they were wanting meat to eat. And God gave them so much that I'm pretty sure that by the end of it, that they were sick of it. And they wanted nothing to do with quail anymore. But you don't recognize that that last big, struggle or suffering that you went through might have been because you grumbled against God and don't even realize you did. 
See, a lot of things, if we do, if we grumble against God intentionally, we got a whole different issue. So, and people who aren't in faith yet, they're not intentionally grumbling against God. They were, even the uh, Israelites, they just wanted something different than the manna, but no, the manna is what's good for you. That's why we're called to be set apart. Don't eat of the worldly spiritual stuff that's being taught. Eat of what Messiah had. Messiah is the manna that came down from heaven. You live your life like he lived his. And that in that, you will have to set aside the pleasures that this life brings for a short period in order to live the life that Messiah did, to be set apart, to be holy, that, no, I'm going to be content with the manna, that if this is my lot and my portion, then so be it. And even, you know, we had a test early on, uh, well, not early on, but um, when we, not too long before we started doing the church stuff, that uh, God came to me and told me that you're not going to work for a time. And as far as, did I understand how things were going to work out? No, I didn't. But I told God that I knew it was God that told me that, and I'm going to obey God regardless. And so I didn't understand it, but I was okay with that lot and that portion. And I remember telling God, look, if I lose my house and I have to live on a cardboard in a cardboard box on the street because that's what your uh, design is for me, then I'm okay with that. Now, is it something that, oh, I desire to lose my house? No. But because of faithfulness and not boasting about myself because that what I do, I do because of Messiah in me, we didn't lose the house. We were able to file for bankruptcy. And now, six years later, we're in uh, is such a uh, good position that God has blessed us. But if God takes this all away, and that's our lot and portion, I'm okay with that. I, I, I didn't have it before. If it's taken away, what have I lost? I've only lost what I gained along the way. And I know a lot of people would think, well, that's just crazy way to think. But no, God says, I will provide all your needs according to my glorious riches. That means as long as I'm going to live on the face of the earth, God will provide me with food. God will provide me with water to drink. God will provide me with the uh, spiritual knowledge, wisdom, and understanding that is necessary for me to carry out their work. That's my lot and my portion. We need to be okay with whatever our lot and our portion is because that is where true contentment with God belongs. We chase after cars. We chase after houses. We chase after all these things. And if there's a threat of it going away, we go into a panic attack. And there have been people... Uh, that have, I had a friend of mine when I lived in Northern Virginia that his uh, dad committed suicide because 
something had happened and he and they were losing uh money and he killed himself in the garage just uh asphyxiation just start the car and go to sleep and um but people do that because i what happens if i lose all this stuff and and that's the fear that we talk about because that fear is the fear of death and punishment because if i don't have all this stuff then i'm going to uh, i'm not going to be able to eat and if i don't eat i'm going to die and if i die then i'm going to be punished and all that's in your lower conscience it's not in your 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 conscious mind so a lot of people can't recognize what's going on and that's the beauty part about having faith in god and the fullness of faith is god is the one that designed the body the mind and the spirit and so if you need help with any of those they're the ones to go to and god said and if your needs are not being filled if your needs truly are not being filled then you are not a child of god but just because you have an abundance of money or food or whatever it is doesn't mean that it's God providing your needs because a lot of people provide their own needs, but they do it with a protection perspective because if that goes away, then they'll panic and they'll, I mean, literally that's what people, why people commit suicide a lot of times is because of the lack of hope because I had all this stuff. And, you know, I know people that are counting on the bank account that of their savings that they have, that that's, that's my, my nest egg. That's my uh, rainy day account. But if it actually came down to where they had to dive into it, they would go into panic because now that's going away and I have nothing. Well, if you're going to trust God, it has to go away or you have to prove faithful just like the rich young ruler didn't when Messiah said, uh, Messiah said to him, sell everything you have and then come follow me. And he walked away with his head downcast. Well, why? Because he wasn't okay with that lot and that portion. And especially, you know, I'm, I'm really talking more from this perspective to people who have circumcision of the heart. Uh, but speaking to everybody, it's a good place to set your mind that you're going to be okay with whatever God gives you or whatever is taken away from you. And that is probably the best ability for you to be able to have more than what you need. I mean, we have been so blessed to have so much more than what we need. Uh, it's it's just hard to fathom sometimes. Um, but whatever my lot, my portion is, that is what my mind is set on. I'm okay, God, would, whatever it is, because we could go back to where we were before if God chose that that's what we needed to do for either for his work or for our betterment. And if it's for his work or our betterment, why would I want to uh, deny that and not return to it if it was necessary? You had mentioned the word contentment and I actually had this come to mind today. And I looked this up that contentment has the word content 
in it and it has the suffix meant. And I was curious because the word of God says godliness with contentment is great gain. And meant as a suffix is the action or continuation of. So being content means you're at peace, but godliness with a continual content state of mind, really state of being with godliness is great gain and it's continual gain. So of all the things, those that have the fullness of faith, your lower conscience, things that are there that you're replacing with the godly, that the more contentment, and I had, I'll share this. I had this, and I've been thinking about this and y'all showed this to me out of my lower conscience, the way that this is something that I've been doing for, I would say until just seeing it and setting my heart that I'm changing it, setting my mind that I'm changing it to get into my heart is I would do so many things doing either the best I could or doing whatever it was to just get something done. And when I got it done, thinking that I'm entitled to have my rest or whatever I wanted to do at the end of it. And I would be looking for contentment after I got something done, then I could be content. And what Yahweh was showing me today was speaking to me was contentment is about not in the end of it. It's in the beginning, the process, even getting to the end, going around again, it's a continual, it's a being of content. So instead of looking for doing something to then you can rest or you can get to do something on the inside of it, just look to be content in all things in the process of whatever it is, instead of looking for, well, I'm just looking to get this done so that this can be done and then moved on. Well, that's still a linear instead of the circular is look to do the best you can and find contentment in everything that you're doing daily, momentarily, instead of looking for, well, if I get here, then I'll be content. Well, no, contentment is a state of being content. So in everything that you do, be content, be at peace, remain in the rest, walk in the rest that you have, rest. So it means just walk in that contentment. And it was just neat because they were just showing me, I was like, wow, I'd never seen that that's what I've been doing in my life. And now I can change this to where walk in contentment, walk in that peace of mind and all things that you do. Don't look for a moment to where, okay, now I can, no, it's just look for, like you said, the lot in your portion, be okay with your lot in your portion and have peace in that. And it doesn't matter what happens, just be okay with it. And that takes trust. Like we're talking about without trust. So it, with the aspect of, I want to go back to what you said about when you had quit your job, what Yah had given us at the time, I didn't realize was, is the key they were giving was the key to faith. The key to faith is trust and obey, because think about it. Sean and Philip started church. We had to trust and obey in order to do that process. Quit your job. You had to trust and you obeyed God. That's the essence of faith. That's the essence of Abba, Ima, Yeshua, and then continuing in it is whatever they ask you to do, you trust and you obey. So it's such a key. Obey means go on the journey to get away from obey means you do what Yah asked you to do, which means get away from sin because sin is disobedience. Well, how can you trust and obey if you trust and disobey? 
So it's a, it's just showing me there's, you have to have faith in Abba, you have to have faith in Yeshua, you have to have faith in mother, and then that's the fullness of faith. And then you continue that faith in all of them all the way through the cycle. So when something comes up, you repent, you obey, you trust, you repent, you obey, you trust. It, it just keeps that it's a circular aspect, but the, 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 I guess you could say the, the thing that just holds it together is, is trust and obey. You, you cannot go wrong with God to trust and obey them. Just the essence of this. <coughs> and this is not just saying blindly and openly accept every situation as God's lot and their portion for you. This is important that people understand that you should verify and clarify with God about your lot and your portion. That if something, a struggle's happening, something's happening in your life, then God, is this my lot and my portion or is there something I can do? Uh, you know, is there something that I'm not, doing that I'm missing that I'm not seeing in order to be able to remove this weight or this struggle. If it's from you and it is my lot, my portion, I'm okay with it, but you should confirm with God because if it's not your lot and your portion, you're free to change so that you don't have to have that struggle and that that suffering and that's where we put burdens on ourselves and we it's unnecessary for us to do that and when we talk about the lot and the portion it's just important for people to understand that you should really clarify if you're going through a struggle you know god if this is not your lot and your portion for me help me to see what it is and help me to make whatever changes are necessary in order for this to go away. Uh, but if this is your lot and your portion for me, and I don't get clarification that it's not, then I'm okay with it. I, I'm going to be okay if nothing ever changes because that's where you truly have true contentment. And that's what is meant when it talks about trusting God, that when God makes it clear to you that this is your lot and your portion, if you don't agree with that, you don't like that situation that's going on, then you're grumbling against God. And if you grumble against God, that situation can get worse. And it can get worse to the fact of three foot deep for 72 miles in any direction. And so we want to be really careful that if we determine from God that at this point in time, it's my lot and my portion. And sometimes whatever your lot and your portion is, is for a time because there's something you have to learn through it. You know, we had to go on food stamps for a year and it was a little awkward at first. And I had made a lot of prideful statements when I was younger that I had to, uh, uh, swallow those when I, when we did it, but there was a reason for it. And that part of that reason was to understand that 
there are people out there that really need this, just like you need it. And not everybody's trying to take advantage of the system. And it is good to be able to get help when you need help. But the objective is don't stay in that position where you need the help, do something to make a difference. But there was also a pride aspect that had to be broken because of comments I had made in the past about welfare and about uh, food stamps and that type of thing. But now I view it from a completely different perspective. And that was our lot and our portion for a year. After a year, well, something happened and I made a little more money when, when Yad allowed me to go back to work. I made a little more money and it was just enough to put us over the limit. And so it was no longer our lot and our portion. But as long as it was, we had to learn whatever lesson that's in it. And sometimes if you can learn the lesson that's in it quicker, then you don't have to have that struggle that long, but you have to dig into it and figure out what it is and how to uh, learn what you need to learn from it in order that you can then get away from it and just move and learn and grow. And But if you if something you have is your lot and your portion from God and you grumble about it, then you're just setting yourself up for more trouble rather than the best way, the, the best opportunity for you to get out of that struggle if there's going to be an opportunity to get out of it is for you to come to the contentment in that situation and then let God determine if they're going to bless you by doing something different. Don't that at that point when you're content and you're trusting God, then you're content. That means you're okay. So I don't have to make a change. But God may come along and say, okay, I know that you're content now because you're not looking that you need to have this change. So now I'm going to bless you from this perspective. And it all has to do with. What is your lot and your portion, and are you okay with that if it's truly your lot and your portion from God? Just because there's a struggle and just because there's suffering doesn't mean it comes from the enemy. Some of the greatest lessons you learn in life come through suffering and struggle. And so that's that's kind of uh, the ideas that I had for this evening as this uh, title for the podcast had come up. I'll share a personal story today on this very aspect of without faith, without trust, it's impossible to please God because I had something on my mind uh, that I, a direction that we could go that I thought, and then this came to mind. And I had asked mother that whenever, because what will happen is Phil, you and I will um, take turns on what comes to mind for the, where we start the podcast. And um, I had asked that, when it would come my turn that I would be thinking and evaluating and then that mother would make it clear. And I just happened to, it, it came to mind today that I had 
those two thoughts and I had a pad of paper beside me because when I when I'm working my job I'll write things down and I had a thought that came to mind and I wrote down without faith it's impossible to please God and I looked at that and I had another scripture and I just kept looking at it and it was this evening I just kept looking at it and I thought you know what mother's answering my prayer because I had said that I would think about it and that she would make it clear and I just keep looking at this one verse and we're going to go with this because I know she'll make it clear if she wants something else and then with this what lesson do I have without trust? How can I trust if she says this or this every single time I ask or want you to make a decision? So even in this aspect, this is for you and I as well, that the more we trust, the better it'll be trusting in, in, in Yah. And the, the scripture that came to mind to me was, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth, it'll be loosed in heaven. And thinking about Yeshua with his teaching of the spirit of the law, well, with faith, which you bind, I'm going to do this and you commit to it, then Yah will bind that in heaven. Okay, well, I'll hold you to it. Or forgiveness, you forgive somebody, then you loose it. And then, or if you ask Yah for forgiveness through repentance, then it will loosen in heaven to where you'll be forgiven. But even with that, it takes faith in order to do these things. And faith, what, what I'll end this with tonight is, is that everybody has faith. You can't live your life without faith. But the point of this podcast and those that are really seeking after this by faith, because you, you, have, you start in faith by you listening to this, I'm going to seek with all my heart. So I'm going to do this, that it's a journey and you start it and you continue it until the end. So those that are seeking with all their heart, those that really want this, take the words that are being spoken and really evaluate them. And really, if anything comes to your mind that's really sticking out, hang on to that and really evaluate it. And, you know, Yah gives you things to think about. But this is a journey and faith, like it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Go to the beginning covenant, look at it, find out what is pleasing to God and do it. Trust and obey. So, Phil, that's a really good stopping point, a really good podcast tonight. And Lord willing, we'll be back with you Saturday at six in the morning. And we appreciate everybody tuning in and hope everybody has a good evening. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.